Welcome to Autism Knows No Borders. Discover what's possible when people impacted by autism inspire change and build community. Together with the Global Autism Project, here's your host, Rachel Harmon. Hello, everyone. Today's episode is part two of Team Saudi Arabia's Skill Core journey. If you haven't yet listened to part one, I encourage you to go back to episode 100 so that you can hear about the first half of the team's trip. If you have any personal or professional connection with autism, that is, if you're a self-advocate, teacher, therapist, or another type of service provider, these two special episodes are meant for you. Today, you'll hear excerpts from conversations about clinical training at our partner site, Namayi, the Namayi therapists sharing insights about their culture, the impact of our work on future generations of autistic people, the Namayi staff's takeaways from our collaboration, our team's personal and professional growth, and advice for future Skill Core travelers. In this episode, discover what's possible when caring is enough to make a difference. Trips for July 2022 have filled up fast. We're still taking applications for travel in October to Saudi Arabia and other partner sites, including Ecuador, Dominican Republic, China, India, Indonesia, Tanzania, Kenya, and Rwanda. Spots are limited, so if you're thinking about applying, now is the time. Sign up today at skillcore.globalautismproject.org. That's S-K-I-L-L-C-O-R-P-S. And use the coupon code AUTISMPODCAST to waive the application fee. And now I present you SkillCore Team Saudi Arabia. We continued the week doing workshops and training at Namayi. Yes. Yeah, definitely. How can you tell if they like pushing on, being pushed on the swing or being took? One morning, we discussed the starfish story. For a few moments, she bent down, picked up another starfish, and hurled it as far as she could into the ocean. Then she looked up at the man and replied, Well, I made a difference to that one. The old man looked at the girl inquisitively and thought about what she had done and said, Inspired, he joined the little girl in throwing starfish back into the sea. Soon others joined and all the starfish were saved. I like that story. I can't remember where I first heard it, but I heard it a few, like several years ago, maybe in like undergrad or something. And I think, I don't want to project for everyone else, but I think for me, um, sometimes I feel like if I can't fix everything, what's the point? And a couple years ago, it kind of clicked for me that even if we can't fix everything, like there's still work to be done, there's still some progress to be made. Even if we can make a difference in such a small way for one client, like some of the little guys we were working with yesterday, 
I told the staff, like, look, she's smiling. She's laughing. Like, I've never seen this kid laugh. I mean, I've only known him for two days. Like, I've never seen her smile. Like, the other day, it was just tears all day. She comes in here for two hours and just cries. And she probably doesn't just do it here. It's probably other places. So if we can have these few hours a week be enjoyable for her and give her opportunities to interact and socialize, like, that's adding to her life. Yeah, it's like not even necessarily improving everybody's skills, but the way I look at it too sometimes is improving their quality of life. Mm-hmm. Like, I've had parents tell me, like, the little girl that said, Hi, Miss Kelly, right before we left. I think about her so much right now. Um, but, like, her parents said she's smiling a lot more, she's laughing a lot more, she's not crying as often, she's not biting, she's points her fingers a lot, she's not doing that as much, her fingers are starting to heal. <laughs> like, just random little things like that. Even though that's just like in my head, I'm like, that's such a small fraction of what I want to do with this little girl, but it's making such a big impact on her and her family mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. And just based on her behavior, she can't tell us that she's happier, but she is. You can see it. And I think that's, even though she's not where I want her to be yet, mm-hmm. she's, she has a better quality of life. Yeah. Yeah, so think of the impact we have on therapist here with some of the stuff we've been doing with them like I know how exhausting it is and how burnt out they must feel when they're going into three sessions in a row where they don't feel like they have control of things and so even if like they learn how to work with one of their kids each day a little bit better Mm -hmm. then that will like take some burden off of them and allow them to also have the energy for those harder cases and to help figure that out because it's exhausting And it's, it's like really disheartening too, I think, when you don't, when you want to help and you don't know how, mm-hmm. or you don't know what you're doing wrong. So I think like to see them smile and then be like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. this works. It reminds me of like, just like Silkor as a whole, like we're coming here and making a small difference and the more people that come here, like the more of a difference we're going to make. Yeah. And continue to make. Mm-hmm. I really like that poem and I've read it many times and I posted it many times in the oh. um, and I've learned because I've worked as a school counselor and as a mental health therapist and I, when I first started it was all about me wanting to save everybody mm-hmm. <laughs> wanting to save every every student every client and then I started I realized like I really can't I don't have control over what their parents do or their environment but I do have control of what I can do and I can just what's in my control is to give my best mm-hmm give my best um and so that's what we're all here doing just giving our best sharing our experience and I think it's sometimes we are too hard on ourselves when things are not going right like the other day and I felt kind of overwhelmed but I think we just need to see the bigger picture and the bigger picture is that eventually it it may it's going to work out but right now like everyone has shared we're planting the seeds And then also for the therapists, like the little work that we've been doing, as they've been sharing, they've been sharing, like they're even surprised with what they're seeing. Um, because sometimes they become overwhelmed or sometimes even give up, like there's no progress. And a few of them have shared, like, oh wow, they they do like things, they're, they they do have more reinforcement, they, they're talking, they're smiling. So that's going to motivate them to continue to try. I just want to add to that. Yesterday, after one of my second observation, 
the mom had waited the whole session and was waiting in the lobby. And I was so happy at the end of the session, so I was like, I'll walk out while we go on my way to the back room. And, um, and I was telling the mom, like, she had such a great day. And she goes, no crying. Like, she could hear it herself. And I was like, yeah, like, very, like, in the beginning a little, but, you know, no. And then she said, did she see herself? Like, we were talking, well, I mentioned to you all we were working that receptive, like, mm -hmm. for IDing herself. And I said, we didn't work on that. I said, but we called her name, and she looked. And we called her name, and she came to us. And the mom was like, what? Like, mm -hmm. just, like, in disbelief. And I was like, she, you know, she did wonderful. Um, so to see, like, for the mom to know that, like, she's getting there, and that was really cool, you know? Yeah. So I think it's really apparent right now the impact that you're making on the therapist at Namai. But take it a step further and think about the impact you're making on each other, just being here, learning from each other, collaborating, going on this two-week journey with complete strangers and just being open to every experience that's around the corner. And think about how that will impact your work when you go back home and the families that you serve and their communities. You know, it's huge, this ripple effect. And sometimes it's hard to see when you're like in the mix of the sauce right now. We're like knee deep in the trenches doing our training. But I think I said it earlier this week that sometimes you'll realize something like six months later. Like, oh yeah, that was that thing that I learned in skill core. And so there's so much personal growth that affects your professional growth too. And also building off of uh, what Megan said, SkillCore is small groups that are a bigger movement, right? So we're throwing one starfish, but when we motivate and inspire other people to join SkillCore by what we do, now we're all throwing starfish back in, right? Um, so I really like this one. And it also goes with today because we're doing the Instagram takeover. So we have the opportunity to show everything that we're doing and to inspire more people to join SkillCore and join the movement. So I'm very excited for today. It's like it all worked out perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> that night, we went out with a few of the Namai therapists to Riyadh Boulevard, an entertainment center with shops, restaurants, attractions, and more. Imagine Times Square and Universal Studios all in one. We had dinner at a Korean barbecue restaurant. We danced in front of a local DJ. And we asked the therapists more about their culture. Here's Sara, Jumana, and Arwa sharing their thoughts. What do you want people to know about Saudi culture? Uh, I want to make them know about the Muslims. Okay. And uh, how we uh, live our life, I mean, because it's different, not like India or America or, you know, different culture. Uh -huh. and I want to know them to know about the foods, uh -huh. Arabic foods. What is different about Muslims here compared to other cultures? The same, Muslim is the same, but I want to know about Islam because maybe some countries they show the people the Islam in a bad way. So I want them to show we are Muslim, so what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so what? Mm -hmm. yeah, just that. Okay. Yeah. Also, some of them 
they feel like feel uh, we are living in a desert. <laughs> oh yeah. So no, look, we have Bolivar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of really cool buildings and. It's turning into a very modern city, yeah. like a mix, right? Yeah. Modern and traditional. Yeah. First of all, I want to tell the world that Saudi Arabia isn't a desert <laughs> and we have a high safety standards here. Besides that, when you come here, you will find a lot of places to visit for fun and to know more about our civilization and culture. I want to tell the world as well that we have a community that cares a lot about people, especially who is older than you or younger. So you have to be nice and kind to them. Also respect them a lot. I know there are many stories about abusive family in my country, but there are many of them who give their children respect and freedom. Here people are generous and kind to everyone, even to the stranger. People may think that we are strict and serious community, but no. We are people who love to hang out, do family gatherings, and camp in the desert during winter. That's all what I hope people know about us. And we will say welcome to everyone to Saudi Arabia. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Okay. Why are some women wearing different amounts of cover? This is up to her. Yeah. Uh, if her want to wear hijab, it's okay. If, if her, he, she want be more fabai, it's okay. Yeah, yeah. But the best thing is wearing hijab. Uh, the best thing. So, uh, first of all, I can't go into deep in matters of the religion because it's a little complicated and I am not a specialist on the subject. But in Islam, our God told us in Quran to cover our faces and wear an abaya to hide it from unknown man. And in public with an abaya that is not attractive in color, which doesn't attract attention in public. And in our current situation, some of them want to cover their face and some of them want to wear the hijab and a colorful abaya. It's their decision. They can decide what they want. Their family respect their decisions. But some families prohibit their daughters to wear hijab and a colorful abaya. So they have to cover the face and wear black abaya. For me, I choose to wear hijab without covering my face. And I am doing this not for my family, but for Allah. And he is the only one who will judge me for wearing it or not wearing it, or the way I am wearing it. I want to say something. I'm going to make myself like a diamond. Uh, no one can see me when they want it. Yeah. Got it. What do you like to do for fun? Dance. Uh, go to party with our friends. Yeah, I like that. Uh, go to camping. Yeah. For me, um, dancing, graphing. I like graphing. I go out with my friends. Yeah, hang out. For me, it's uh, meet friends, eat, and sleep. <laughs> <laughs> And where do you want to travel to? New York. Canada. I want to visit America, of course. My next step is go to America. Shop. All right. Take me with you. We'll <laughs> welcome you when you come. Yeah, we'll welcome you. All right. Thank you, ladies. As expected, our last day at Namai was an emotional roller coaster. 
We started off the morning with a discussion about the future generations of autistic people. In every deliberation, we must consider the impact of our decisions on the next seven generations. So the Iroquois people put this into their constitution more than 500 years ago, that leaders must look and listen for the welfare of the people and have always in view not only the present, but also the coming generations. And that the thickness of their skin shall be seven spans to protect against anger, offensive actions, and criticism from affecting their making the best decisions. And the point of considering seven generations is to remove individual self-interest from public decision-making. Seven generations is about the longest period of time that we can grasp subjectively. Some of us had great-grandparents when we were born. We've known our grandparents, our parents, and ourselves. We may also know our children, our grandchildren, and possibly our great-grandchildren. These seven generations are a yardstick of human experience. I'd never thought of that before. I just blew my mind. Yeah, that did too. I was like seven, I was actually thinking seven ahead, which I don't know if that's so self-centered or not, but Mm -hmm. wait a minute, I knew my great-grandparents. Like, I get three on each side. Yeah. I've learned this. I've heard this before, and that's because I've been to places um, where they grow the really, really big trees that they cut to make the the entire tree to be a canoe. Um, And the process of planting those trees, they're not going to be ready be made into a canoe until like seven to ten generations ahead. Wow. So that stuff that um, these people were doing was not for themselves, it was for the environment and for the people in the future, mm-hmm. which is a really interesting mindset. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then that one I went to Tofino actually. And there's so. a lot of like excellent culture in the Pacific Northwest around that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. All right. So everyone ready? Okay. How about you guys write down how your behavior on this trip may impact future generations of people with autism? I think that with with what I'm doing in my post, I could possibly reach out to people that maybe are not aware of what autism is, mm-hmm. and or maybe they do, but they don't really know that there are resources. Mm-hmm. I'm also reaching out to those that are already in the field, because, you know, my my old colleagues and maybe motivate them to join Global Autism uh, Project or something similar, just be more involved or spark curiosity. Yesterday, uh, one of the ladies shared that. They asked me, where are you from? And I said, from Mexico. I said, oh, you're the first Mexican that comes to Namai. <laughs> <laughs> so um, just to inspire others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can go. I felt like there was kind of three separate areas. The first one was kind of in Saudi, you know, having an effect on the community here, talking to that driver yesterday who was interested in it. You were talking to Sara about community outreach and how to do those sort of things. I mean, I guess I wasn't talking, but I heard about it and was like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And then us going to that college. There's a lot of little things that our group did that I think would influence the autistic community in Saudi Arabia. And then all of the, you know, Instagram, social media posts and things like that, that's to hopefully encourage other people to join the Skillport movement, which will have a larger impact on the community in general. Also, I think my behavior in, like, seeking to understand more about your knowledge and 
like getting the list of podcasts to like really expand my understanding of like bodily autonomy and what actually autistic people are saying and making sure that whatever I'm practicing is in alignment with that. Mm -hmm. I had some very similar thoughts to Corey. I feel lucky that we've had some of the little interactions that we have with like Saudi residents. I think at first they think we're tourists. And then when they say, when we say why we're here, they're like, oh, wow, that's, you know, they, they either don't know much about it or um, maybe they do, but they don't know anyone with autism. So I think that's cool for like the impact that we're making on the community and people that maybe are a little bit more removed from the autism community. And then I'm actually thinking back to my friend Eliza, who first told me about global autism a couple years ago. And I was thinking, wow, what a cool organization. And um, then she nominated me and was like, you need to go. And our time working together was so brief. That was just a conversation that just happened in passing as we were working, collaborating on, with a client. And then now I'm here. And now I'm like, well, why don't I send some of my staff here? And I'm telling my other friends, one of my other friends, her and one of her supervisees are coming on a trip in October. So it's... Like, I think we underestimate those small interactions and those small conversations and the effect that they can have on people. So I, I see that happening, you know, and that's just, that's just my experience. That's, and then times six, you know, mm-hmm. it's very, very cool. Yeah. yeah. It's like that trickle down effect. You tell one person, they tell five, and those five tell five yes. people. Mm-hmm. Hopefully that's how it goes. We're not a pyramid scheme. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not a pyramid scheme. Yeah. <laughs> um, what I'm hoping is that they'll be more accepted, not just here, but everywhere, and understood, and that they will know that there were people that fought for them and fought for that like bodily autonomy and fought for that understanding their perspective, too. Like It wasn't just what we thought would help them, but what they know helps them. And that they will know people love them for exactly who they are. And we're not trying to change them. We're trying to help them. They know that we did our best with for them with the information that we had at the time. And that we're constantly adapting as we find out more information about what they do and don't like about ABA in general, how we treat them, how the world views them. Yeah. I kind of thought about how we have a lot of the same things, but also how... Um, in terms of generations to come, as like we are like directly having an impact on the current kids that are at the center, right? Like those, we can kind of see that impact. And then we're teaching the people that will eventually teach others, right? And then that will get passed on. So in terms of just staff training, like we're building a really strong foundation at NAMI that will hopefully like continue to grow and reach more and more kids um, over the years and over just like time as they get bigger and more kids come through their doors. And then, yeah, just setting them up for success so that they don't repeat past mistakes that have already been made in other parts of the world. Um, I think that's a really, really exciting opportunity that they have. Yeah, and then I mentioned the acceptance piece here and how far that reaches because of social media and also inspiring others to come. Yeah, yeah I pretty much want to see else. <laughs> but I think that for the future, like we are teaching the people who are going to be teaching autistic so like I think that in the future like I'm hoping that like autistic adults will feel like maybe it's less abusive now that like they're aware of like how autistic adults now feel 
and then also just change the way that people view autism like in the community like wearing our bags and wearing our jackets just like sparks a lot of questions for people and I feel like it's like a conversation starter and actually that's like how I got into skill for because my friend wears her jacket to work and I was like oh my gosh what's that can you tell me about it um so just like little things like that that you don't think like oh I'm wearing this but like is it going to spark questions is it going to make people have more awareness um things like that Mm, you guys are amazing (laughs) sometimes uh you can kind of like become overwhelmed at the beginning of the trip right with all the things to do all the things to work on that you want to help them with if you just take a step back and think about the impact that you are making it's um like we talked about yesterday there's nothing small right think about that mosquito effect so today is our last day at the center for now. Um, make it count. I know we're feeling a little bit tired from last night, but in a good way, right? We mm-hmm. had an amazing night with the ladies, um, even though we were all just like falling over that curve with <laughs> no deltas. Much. So yeah, let's see how we can be present today for them. I've already seen like such progress mm-hmm. even yeah. in a short time yes. that mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. And I feel like they're motivated. They yeah. are. Like they're so. They're like empowered now. Yeah. Yes. Great. Yeah. And empowering Sada, like mm-hmm. who's going to be their leader. Yep. She's yeah. pumped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. I'm jealous that I don't get to come back in July. I know. <laughs> We closed the workday with the Namayi staff sharing what they had learned from the week's training. We talked today about um, focus also on social skills and uh, life skills. I just want to say thank you to everyone. And as we've mentioned before earlier in the week, All of you here have such a great foundation of skills. The structure at Namai, you guys have made so much improvement over the past few years. And we're being very picky and detailed because your foundation is good. So we're just polishing and cleaning up so you can have a more robust, comprehensive program here. We'd prefer the tough love. Yeah. But something we talk about, being emotional. <laughs> something we talk about, like every day, when we go back to the hotel, is how inspired we are. Yeah. Well, I just want to say part of the foundation is the passion and the drive that you have for your students and your families. Can you read this one in Arabic? Okay. I really like the inspirational 
Yeah. It's the one in English for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> to make an impact on someone else's life, you don't have to be rich, brilliant, or perfect. You just have to care. So we have learned so much from you guys about teamwork, collaboration. <laughs> so thank you for opening your hearts to us and welcoming us. Yeah. Uh, we have this conversation at the beginning, you know, saying, well, that's too much. You, you didn't have to do this, that. Um, this is how we look at you, or some of us. You're a group of crazy people. <laughs> you cross the world, you risk your lives, and you travel like half the world to a country you haven't been there before to help someone or some people that you don't know before so they can help some kids. You and them, they don't know these kids before. So it's one of the few moments in, in, in this time of humanity that you can believe in something called humanity because, I'm sorry, but it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense for people to leave their regular house, regular life, and travel across the world just to help someone they don't know before. That's absolutely crazy. And that's why we think that whatever guys we do for you, it's nothing like literally. It's not just like being hospitable, no. It's a something different. You guys operate in a different level. Like this is life and you guys because <laughs> that's not normal. Um, yeah, that's something that I needed you guys to know. You operate on a different level, so we need to be treating you on a different level. And we may like 1% of what you guys deserve, but we will be better in the next. So thank you will be in, won't be enough. Sometimes it's inappropriate to say thank you, you know that thank you is not even near enough, but it was our pleasure to have you guys. And Hanan and the team has a little something to thank you and for you to remember us in the next few years. So I call Hanan. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. I got such a blast with you guys. Yeah. This has been the coolest thing that I've ever done. You love your guys. Yeah. You're the best. Yeah. Whoa. Simple gift from the school. Oh my gosh. What? Yes. 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 Thank you. Okay, my card is Your names are written in Arabic. Yeah. Wow, I've never seen my name in Arabic before. <laughs> Hospitality for letting us work with you. You're all amazing. It's been such a pleasure. We've had so much fun growing with you, um, and we're grateful for the experience. We cannot wait to come back, or for you all to come to the U.S. and visit yeah. us. Yeah. <laughs> and Canada. At the end of the night, we partied with the therapists, enjoying cake, various desserts made with dates, and, of course, an endless pot of Arabic coffee. 
After having spent the previous week collaborating and getting to know each other, it was hard for all of us to say goodbye. Later that night, we headed to our weekend excursion in the desert of Al Ghat, an old heritage village a few hours northwest of Riyadh. Over breakfast the next morning, I asked the team to share how they thought they had grown professionally and personally over the previous two weeks. Now that we've finished our work at Namayi, what would you guys say are some areas that you've grown personally and professionally? So have you grown professionally? I think I really like training, but I definitely, compared to the model we used, I do a lot more modeling. And I think I've seen how much more helpful it is to use the Socratic method like really heavily. I think I tend to use it with my more experienced RBTs and not the new ones because I think they need more help and I there's no reason why I think that. <laughs> Just assume, I think. So to not assume that they can't get to the the answer by questioning. Like I don't have to tell them. So I think I'm I'm going to change that. Because I think it is more sustainable, much more sustainable to do it that way. Because that's how my grad supervisors did it with me. And I really appreciated that. Great. You're really good at it, too. You do it very naturally. (laughs) Thanks. Mm -hmm. Sorry. No, I just said halas. Halas. I think professionally, I'm kind of excited to go home and have a conversation with my director, who is also like a friend of mine. And she like created this role for me so I could keep working in the field while like going back to school and stuff like that. But I kind of want to expand my role with them to see if I can do more, whether it's like, hey, do we have a budget to maybe do some community outreach in our you know, town or things like that? Because it's still not great in Albuquerque, like ABA services and the wait lists are incredibly long or like people don't understand what it is. And I'm still meeting parents who have no idea what autism is. They just have a diagnosis and they don't know what to do. And so I'm like kind of motivated by this whole experience to see like what more I can do outside of just being a clinical supervisor within the community with my DCBA and like going down those avenues with her and seeing what this company and what I can do. Cool. I'll go next because mine is similar to that. In Georgia, they only recently passed laws, I think it was 2018, to mandate insurance companies to pay for ABA services. Um, so they're really, it's still very new. And in the rural, the rural areas, you know, services are still limited. And my approach has been, you know, just worry about like my team, worry about my kind of like my crew, my company, keep my head down, keep servicing our kids. And the community will feel it, right? There'll be that ripple effect. Um, But after going on this trip, I realized, like, that's so wrong. Like, I need to do more, not just for awareness, but for acceptance and um, get more community involvement and ownership over this population and um, 
so that there'll be more opportunities for our learners when they get when they become adults. Um, and we've done a little bit of that for our young adult clients, um, but that's just one or two students. Like how much more of an impact can we have if we approach other small business owners and say, hey, there's this whole young population coming up who need a place in our community. So I definitely wanna kind of explore that and, and do that a bit more. I think for me, it similar to Kelly, I'm familiar with Socratic questioning, but I've used it more like in therapy, like in mental health. But I never thought of using it in ABA. And I maybe I do use it a little bit more with the program supervisors because I know that Kelly shared like I know they know the answer. So I can say, well, what can we do? And I know I they know, but with therapists, and also because we don't really, unfortunately, we don't really provide training to therapists like formally it's just usually in home so we don't have the time or I feel like there's no time while the kid is there to well what do you think you should do especially like yesterday like when we were working with um, Sara it took a while (laughs) and so it's just faster to model like okay let's look this is how you can do it model and then you know have the therapist try it and it's just faster so I need to think of a way where I can use that strategy, but at the same time, not spend too much time. Because then we're taking time away from working directly with the client. But it's definitely something that I would like to use more with the therapist when I do go in person. Mm-hmm. And parents too. And parents. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really effective. It does take longer, but I think the long-term effect mm-hmm is more sustainable. And I think also there's something about like empowerment yeah. and them saying it, like it's coming out of their mm-hmm. mouths. There's a sweet spot mm-hmm. of not pushing too hard to the point of them getting frustrated because they mm-hmm. can't get it. And like True. recognizing, mm-hmm. okay, maybe this is a knowledge deficit. I should actually teach this, mm-hmm. but you can still find ways around. I saw a lot of forced choice with Socratic questioning that you guys were doing. <laughs> Which still works, right? Or fill in the blanks. Yeah. I'll go. I think before this trip, I I haven't been in the field too long, and I've only worked at like one place. So the amount of exposure I've had to other people in the field has been quite limited. So I was really scared. I was really nervous to interact with other BCBAs, first of all. Because other than like the two that I work with, that's the only ones I like know really, really well. And I've been kind of nervous about like what comes next for me professionally, because I'm so scared that I'm gonna go somewhere else. And like, there's a lot of imposter syndrome. Like, mm. I do really well with the systems that we have in place at my work and how we do things. But what if I go somewhere else and I like don't know what I'm doing? So I got, I felt like I gained a lot of confidence here because it was nice to collaborate and hear what other people had to say and be like, oh, I was thinking the same thing or I know the same thing. So for me, it's a little bit more of like a personal professional growth rather than what am I gonna do when I get back home? But yeah, so I'm feeling like a lot more confident in my abilities and stuff. Nice. That's awesome. I feel the same like how you were nervous about other BCBAs. I think I was really nervous for that. And I think the Socratic questioning can really work when I, like my BCBAs are telling me things because they tend to just talk at us and tell us what to do and never like kind of like watch to see if that goes well or anything. So like 
think asking those questions and things like that will really help in my job now. And I've also just learned a lot from all of you guys. Megan, I've been like so impressed by you this whole trip. Like you, it's, you've been keeping up. Like if you feel like, oh, I'm intimidated all these BCBAs, like that should be the furthest thing from your mind. You've been like just shining and like you leading the training and seeing you with the other therapists and how helpful you are. And I feel like they can relate to you. Like you've been such an asset to our team. Mm -hmm. It's been really great to have you. You've been Wait, wait, you're not? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you guys. I appreciate that. All right. How have you grown personally? Do you want to go for professionally? Or you want it to focus on us? <laughs> no. I've been growing professionally. I just wanted to give you an opportunity to talk if you yeah. feel like you have. So professionally, this kind of goes back to what I was saying the other day, yesterday, about my delta from the other night with leading teams and stuff. Unfortunately, I don't have that direct contact with families and children right now. So this is kind of what I think of when I think professionally. But yeah, I think just learning more about that balance between alignment and autonomy. So being able to read if people are uh, maybe feeling a certain way but not wanting to speak up or like when it comes to making group decisions and stuff. So it's a learning process, right? And everyone is different. Every team is different. And the team dynamics also change over time, so that's also something to kind of uh, be pay, uh, pay attention to. Maybe that's an area where I feel like, with more and more practice, I feel more comfortable doing it. Thanks, Corey. <laughs> All right, how have you guys grown personally? I'll go first. Um, I feel like I'm usually not confident or like one to go first, um, but I feel like over this trip, uh, that has changed. I feel like a lot more confident in myself. Yeah, that was the who can you be, right? Mm-hmm. Awesome. I'm gonna piggyback off of that because that's kind of how I feel too. The weirdest thing is that I typically get nervous when I have to speak in front of people, even if it's people I know or don't know. You know, there's always just that whatever, especially if you don't have like a, a memorized script, put it that way. But I didn't feel nervous at all when I was up there talking. And that surprised me. (laughs) I was like, oh, maybe I do know what I'm talking about. Like, I still have that, as I'm sure a lot of us do that, you know, imposter syndrome dude still sitting there sometimes. But I, I think I just got a little bit more confident to know, okay, like, I can be that mosquito. And the imposter syndrome dude never goes away. No, yeah, I've, I've heard that. <laughs> so it's more about like, what are you gonna do about it? Mm-hmm. Are you gonna, how long are you gonna listen to him? Mm-hmm. Well, and then leaning into the like uncomfortableness of certain things too. I, I've been texting that with my like friends and family where I'm like, like the first couple of days, like all the stares we were getting, I was like, it's really uncomfortable, but I'm leaning into it because I know it's curiosity. It's mm-hmm. not like I'm, I don't know, you know, like whatever. <laughs> like. I've stared before too, who hasn't? Leaning into that, you know, the cultural aspect of the uncomfortableness and language barriers and all of the hiccups we've had. And just, I haven't gotten upset once. (laughs) Knock on wood, which is cool. (laughs) 
Nice. All right. For me, also, just learning that it's okay just to go with the flow. <laughs> um, I, I usually do when it comes to, like, working with a team. But when it comes to, like, me, for example, like, presenting, then I, like I shared before, I just overthink it. I overplan it. <laughs> and now I just feel comfortable, like, you know, it's okay to just, just do it, especially if it's something that you that you enjoy doing. Because that goes into other areas of my life that I stop myself from doing because of well, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if I freeze? What if I get stuck? What if, what if? And so that has prevented me from doing many things. So this has been a great experience because I was able to do it in front of peers and <laughs> that could be a little bit um, scary, you know, because what if they think this? What if they judge me, etc. But I didn't at all. That didn't cross my mind at all. <laughs> and then, like Kelly, I wasn't nervous. I usually get very nervous when I present in front of people. But I, I wasn't. <laughs> so that was a good feeling. Yeah, you did great, too. <clears throat> Thank you. Yeah, you're a natural at presenting. Mm -hmm. well, <laughs> many, many, many years ago. <laughs> um, I was, it's so funny, but I wanted to make more money because I was planning my daughter's quinceanera. And so I was like, I need money. How can I make more money? And so I talked to my supervisor and I asked if there was any other job that I can apply for. And she's like, well, we have, we just received a grant, but you need to have a master's in the mental health field. And I was a school counselor, but school counseling falls more in ed under education. So she's like, well, let me, let me talk to someone. So I had experience working with kids and kids at risk. So. I had the experience, I just didn't have the title or the education. So I got it. And the grant was doing early intervention, so going into the classroom and presenting uh, using the curriculum called Incredible Years. I use as puppets. And I am very, I'm an introvert, I'm shy, and I had to present. It wasn't presenting in front of kids, but using a puppet as a child, is like a child-sized puppet <laughs> to teach about social-emotional learning. Oh my gosh, that's when my anxiety, you know, that's when I learned what anxiety was. <laughs> I couldn't sleep, I had insomnia, because, you know, it's just kids, but the teacher was going to be there. It's, you know, um, so I've done a lot of presentations, because we have to do like 30 presentations per week. Um, <laughs> wow. And then as a school counselor, even after I didn't use puppets, I, it, a lot of it is going into the classroom and presenting. So I've done tons of presentations, but I still get nervous. <laughs> it's like something that I haven't been able to overcome until now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if in the future you get nervous again, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. It's like it just means you're pushing yourself. You know, those upper limit. Did you guys talk about upper limit problems and orientation? Maybe it's leadership academy thing. Like... Whenever you're <clears throat> pushing yourself or trying to improve yourself, it's natural to hit a wall or a ceiling and then suddenly things start falling out of place. And that's normal. You just have to remember there's another breakthrough on the other side of that. Yeah. Cool. I'll go next. Um, in the past, I've like 
been one to get stuck on thoughts and perseverate. And especially when I'm traveling, like the little twinge of homesickness can like get me into like a bit of a spiral. Um, so, you know, usually I have some, I usually have like a big cry, like a week into a trip or not even. And I've been fine on this trip. And I think part of that is leading up to the trip. I was doing a lot of ACT training and Leadership Academy. And I was already trying to put a lot of those skills into practice at home. And then coming here, it like really was like a lot of challenges thrown at me. So it's been really cool to be able to use all those skills that I had learned in the weeks leading up and try them. And I've had such a better time than I thought I was going to. And like, I haven't been upset, kind of like what Kelly said, and I haven't had any like major anxiety spirals or anything. So it's been a really good challenge, but it makes me feel like when I go home, the little things that I face at home are going to be like a breeze mm-hmm. compared to this. Mm-hmm. It kind of reminds me of uh, something that happened like after the pandemic hit. A lot of skill core alum were like, whatever, I can handle this. Like, I'm used to not knowing what's next mm-hmm. and being flexible. So yeah, it transfers over into other areas. Some similar thoughts um, to Shannon. Um, last year, after I did a leadership training in March, I worked a lot on like self-confidence. In the past, I've been very like self-critical and I'll kind of perseverate on things, um, how I handled something, interactions, and like this like constant need to like for perfection or what's perfect for me. And, um, like, I feel like the first few days of the trip were like a breeze, like the stuff at the airport, like logistical things like that's like, that's a strong suit of mine. So I felt great. And then once we got here and things kind of slowed down a bit, I was like, I kind of fell back into a lot of those habits and I had a really rough time a couple days last week. And as I was reflecting and journaling, I was kind of analyzing like, what, what did I miss here? Um, what kind of tools do I have available to me that I'm not using? So it was a great practice opportunity for, or, you know, learning opportunity for me to recognize kind of what elements were missing that I need. And then also like not having any constants, any regular, regular things that I have in my, my normal life, my life back home available to me. It was kind of like I was pushed even further into that, like mess and I just like kind of leaned into it and was like okay we're gonna handle it little by little and just take it moment by moment and yeah so I I mean obviously I'm here I'm fine (laughs) I survived um but it was good I hadn't I hadn't been challenged like that and I think I was surprised it like kind of took me by surprise how like knocked off I you know I was um from my normal like feeling of stability and being grounded um so Great. I would say I've been um, like thinking about in the future, like leading my own team for Skill Corps. And I think coming to this, I was nervous if I would be able to do that like successfully and confidently. It's you know been a long time since I've led a group of very like strong, powerful women, which is like what Skill Corps is and whether I would be someone that could do it or but just like being able to watch you and seeing everyone else just work together like yes you're a leader but it's still like such a team effort and it's like I don't think I would have to worry about being a leader I would still you're just a team member right and when I looked at it that way it gave me a lot more confidence of I just have to be a good team member and that's what being a leader is and like it's like that lazy leadering like you're letting them do the work and you're just you know 
I don't know. I just changed my perception of what a leader is, I guess. It's like you're not the person in front, you're the person almost behind and like making sure everyone is, you know, doing their best. And that was a really cool like change in perspective for me. Nice. My left? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when we were at orientation, my who can I be was someone balanced, right? And I was trying to focus on how I can take care of myself so that I can support you guys. I think um, because I suffer from FOMO sometimes and I just want to always be in the mix of things and like listening, it was interesting to find ways that I can step back. So for example, not needing to be at breakfast every morning and like having that extra 30 minutes to myself to just take my time really, really helped. Whereas maybe before in the past, I would have gotten up a little bit early so I can be there. And like, Corey, one, time, one day you were like, oh, we're having great conversations at breakfast. And I was like, what? I, <laughs> that. I was like, no, it's okay. All right. Just you don't have to be there. So that's been great to kind of let go of. I like control too, you know? So just knowing that I have that tool to just be more flexible with things. I want to say something about you as a leader too. Obviously didn't know you before this trip, but I've been in contact with Gap for a couple years now through my, my last job. We worked with them a lot for like, like twice a week for like a year. And when I envisioned what our leader was going to be like, it was somebody who was maybe like loud, a little domineering, a little like... I, I don't know. It just like, and you were like the total opposite of that. And like, it just made, Corey like just made me think about it. Like you let us lead, but you guided mm -hmm. and you're very calm and very collected and very like, go with the flow. And I just feel like, like, that's what a leader is. Mm -hmm. It's not somebody who's telling you what to do. It's not somebody who raises their voice. It's mm -hmm. not somebody who is quick to make decisions and judgments. It's somebody who kind of sits back and observes and like, empowers the people around you and so thank you for that mm -hmm. that was thank you it was very nice to have you yeah. <laughs> I'm very grateful that you. and i feel very comfortable around you and i was mm -hmm. i was concerned about that i don't know yeah. yeah i think had you not had that demeanor that personality i don't know if this trip would have been as as easy for me mm -hmm. <laughs> good good well you know we all play a part here right we are all part of that dynamic So it's that butterfly effect. But this has been great. Like, you guys are awesome. I could do this, like, every month. <laughs> it's planned. Yeah. yeah. Right. All right. <laughs> that'd be so cool. That We could just, really like, cool. go to all the sites together. Oh, yeah. oh, that'd be really cool. I also think it's interesting because, like, it's everyone's, for y'all's, like, only perspective. It's your only skill core team. Mm -hmm. And I don't think it's, like, it's, like, our room, but the opposite, like, we didn't know how bad it was because we didn't know how good the other rooms. I don't think we y'all realize how good this is yeah. because this is an amazing team mm -hmm. and this is an amazing experience. And, like, everyone here was just so flexible, so supportive, so easygoing. And, like, even though we all had our own personal struggles, we used the tools we were given to try to work through them and still be a good team member. Like, wow. Mm -hmm. Everyone here was amazing. Yeah. We spent the rest of the day visiting a bird sanctuary, seeing ruins of the old village, touring a date farm, running down sand hills in the middle of the desert, and sitting around a campfire. 
Our last activity as a whole group was an old favorite of mine when it comes to skill core trips. So think about how this trip has filled you. Maybe there was something missing in your life before, and we've all contributed to this filling of this cup. So I'd like you to thank someone here for anything. Maybe it was something they said or did that inspired you or just their way of being the past couple weeks. And you're gonna give them your cup as a gratitude. I want to thank Amber for for being vulnerable and, you know, just opening up to me and, and sharing some personal things. I want to thank Megan. You've taught me, kind of reminding me of when I was in your shoes and taught me that it's okay to... I want to thank Kelly. I just feel like during the whole trip, you really, like, were checking on me and then, like, food-wise, too. Um, I want to thank Araceli. I want to thank you for being vulnerable like the very first day and sharing with us the courage um, that you had. I want to thank you for making this whole trip feel very cohesive. You're a wonderful leader and definitely have skills that I aspire to hopefully have. I want to shake. Shank. I want to I shank Thanning. <laughs> I want to <laughs> thank Shannon. It's been really fun to hang out. And thank you for all the random facts. <laughs> and like always, um, sorry, thank Corey. <laughs> um, I think you were such a great, like, secondary leader to this team. Mm-hmm. And you really helped us. Like- Time and again, our SkillCore alumni have expressed the extent to which this experience has transformed their lives, including their personal relationships. Here's this team's advice to future SkillCore travelers. My advice to future SkillCore travelers would be to let go of your preconceived notions of who you think you are, whether that's thinking you're a leader or a follower, what your strengths and weaknesses are, your fears. Because when you do, the potential of your trip really opens up and you'll achieve so much and you'll learn so much about yourself and about what you're capable of. My advice to future travelers would just be to go into the trip with an open mind and be open to learn, be open to grow, and be open to share. It was a privilege working with the organization, starting from the professional development that we received prior to leaving for our trip. It helped to prepare me to work with my team in country. There's also a lot that I took away that I'm applying at my own company and in leading our staff. For anyone who's considering or planning to travel with SkillCore, I would first say enter the experience with an open mind and an open heart. Everyone at the organization is amazing. The partner sites are so appreciative and excited to learn from us. So entering with the intent to be influenced and with an open mind is critical. There is clinical growth, professional growth, and personal growth that happens. And a big part of that is the mindset and attitude that you bring to the trip. Any future traveler should be open-minded, flexible, and eager to make a difference. Lean in to everything you experience, both within the clinics and outside of the clinics. Go into it with your whole heart and you will get so much more out of it than you ever thought possible. If you're also curious and eager to do more for the autism community and for personal and career growth, 
I highly encourage you to travel with the Global Autism Project. My advice for future travelers is to keep an open mind and to travel with no preconceived notions of what your experience will be like. And last but not least, listen to our partner Yasser's takeaways from the SkillCore trip. We were so fortunate to work with an amazing SkillCore team in the past few weeks. In less than two weeks, we had great opportunities to learn from them. They taught us about some essential clinical procedures that would help us make sure that we are delivering a high quality that our clients deserve. We also learned from them how to incorporate different perspectives and point of views when dealing with our clients. They also taught us a very important thing, the mindset, the mindset that we need to understand, to plan, and to work with our clients. It's about analyzing, understanding, trying to step back a little bit and try to understand as much as you can before you jump into plans and procedures. And a very important thing, they taught us about how being compassionate would change the way you perceive your client, his needs, his struggles, and his strength, and also would help you change the way you work with your clients. And for those who are thinking of traveling to Saudi Arabia, we are looking forward to meet you. And a little piece of advice, get ready for a different experience, a different culture, a different society with different standards and norms. At the same time, get ready for a different version of yourself because, and I promise you this, you will never be the same person after you're visiting us. I hope you enjoyed going on this journey with Team Saudi Arabia. While each team and trip is different, you might now be able to imagine what it would be like to travel with SkillCore. If you're a self-advocate or professional in the field of autism services, you would be a great asset to our movement. Again, applications for trips in October are still open, but only for a limited time. Sign up today at skillcore.globalautismproject.org and use the coupon code AUTISMPODCAST to waive the application fee. Thanks for listening. Take care. Tune in each week for engaging conversations of how people across the globe are inspiring change and building community. You've been listening to Autism Knows No Borders, brought to you by the Global Autism Project. You can find Rachel's notes for this episode and learn more about today's guests at AutismKnowsNoBorders.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please kindly rate the show and leave a review. By doing so, you'll be helping us increase awareness and acceptance of autism around the world.